Hello and welcome to the Foundry Church podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. We're so glad that you found us today, whether you have been with us for a long time or whether you maybe just stumbled across us on the internet, whether you've been a Christian your entire life or whether maybe you're just figuring out and discovering and exploring what a life of faith looks like to you. We're glad that you're here. What you're about to hear is a message from our current sermon series titled The Head and the Heart. You know, as humans, we experience a wide variety of thoughts and feelings and emotions uh, as we go through life. Joy, anger, doubt, um, happiness, all, all of these things. And one of the amazing things about scripture is that it speaks to these things. And it speaks in such a way that it can penetrate not just our head with knowledge, but our heart with wisdom. And uh, so that's what we're kind of leaning into in this series, uh, talking about what it means to experience the fullness of our humanity uh, as we also experience the presence of the divine. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this message. So I grew up on Ironwood Road in Melbourne, Florida in a two-story house. Let there be light. It was a bit odd to have a two-story house in our neighborhood because it was like old, it's like over in Melbourne, it's kind of beachside, we're not beachside, we're just on the riverside, but it's like low houses, you know, it's old Florida houses, houses that are worried about things like hurricanes. So we lived in a two-story house. We were like one of the few in the neighborhood. Somewhere around middle school or high school, my dad decided he was tired of paying for cable. So he canceled our cable subscription. And he had what I'm sure what he considered to be a genius idea, a workaround to the system. So my dad decided he was going to buy a giant antenna. Giant antenna. And and this thing, in my childhood memory, this thing is an albatross of a thing. You know, it's got to be at least 20 feet wide and 10 feet tall. And it was just a beast of a thing, and then he, I think he had the thought like, okay, if I can get that massive thing on top of our two-story house, that should solve all of our problems, and I'll be able to get all the television that we need like for, for free, like I've bought the antenna, and now we should be good. So he got to work, and he got this like really tall pole, I don't know, 40 feet tall, something like that, and he bolted this giant antenna on top of the 40-foot pole, and then he like strapped the pole to the house, right? Because that thing was so big and our house was so tall and that thing was so high, like there wouldn't be any interferences. We would get all the channels. The only problem is we kind of live near the airport. And I'm sure that the good folks at the Melbourne Airport Authority were trying to get my dad to put a light on it so that the airplanes wouldn't run into it. But the thing is, is that like it it worked. It did work and it worked pretty good. And it, like, we got a lot of channels, but occasionally, occasionally, some of the channels wouldn't come in so well. So we learned we had to, like, adjust the antenna. So somebody would have to go outside and, like, crank on that thing, like, looking up, hoping that it doesn't fall and crank the thing. But you had to have two people to do this, not to turn it, but to communicate whether you're getting the channel or not. So one person would stay in the living room, and they'd open the window to the backyard and watch the TV. The other person would go outside to the side of the house, because that's where the antenna was, and then they'd shout through the back window, giving instructions to the person on the side of the yard, keep going, keep going, turn it, come back, come back, come back, come back, okay, slow down, slow down, slow down, stop, stop. 
and then you'd come in and you'd watch a show together. That's how we watched TV. It was only when we got the antenna, antenna pointed in the proper direction that we were able to tune into the programming, tune into the broadcast. Several years ago, I saw an article about a guy who was in the Twin Towers uh, and the terrorist attacks on 9-11. And I remember it was, a, it was this really interesting article, and it talked about how this particular guy, when everything started happening, that he started to pray. And he started to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he just kept repeating that over and over and over again. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he said, the article basically said that God heard his prayers and that is what kept him safe during the chaos and the tragedy of the day. So on one hand, it may be easy to think like, what a cool story, like praise God, hallelujah, like the power of prayer. But also, was he the only person of faith there that day? Was he the only Christian who had faith enough to pray in that moment? Was he the only one that, 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 uh, that God heard and decided to pray and, and keep an eye on him and protect him? I imagine a lot of people were crying out to God that day. I imagine people that didn't believe in God were crying out to God that day. I imagine everyone was crying out like for help from somebody. Did God not hear their prayers? Or maybe he heard their prayers, but they didn't believe as hard as, as the survivor did. Maybe God was busy with his prayer because he got there first, and so God couldn't help the others because he was already involved. The whole thing raises a whole lot of questions for me. And the thing that actually kind of bothered me the most about the article was, was the title of it. Because the article was titled, How the Lord's Prayer Saved John Mahoney. That kind of bothers me because it's like, okay, cool, but like, what about everybody else? In James chapter five, James says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is power and powerful and effective. Was John Mahoney saved because he was righteous? Maybe others were praying that day, it's just that they weren't as righteous, and so like God had no obligation to them. God didn't care enough to spare them because they weren't as righteous as John was. Like, what do you do with all of that? And really, you could take it a step further because in, in Romans chapter three, Paul says this interesting thing where he says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So James says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, but Paul says there is no one righteous. Where does that leave us? What, what does that do when it comes to something like prayer? That, that, that raises a lot of questions in my mind. What do you do with all that? 
Not too long ago, I, I saw a post on Facebook, and it was a post of like a really bad mudslide somewhere in, in, in Central America. Several people lost their lives, a lot of damages to homes. There was this whole village that, that, that the um, mudslide had an effect on. And the post w- was posted by like a youth ministry volunteer, somebody who volunteered to take their church students on a trip. And, and, and they wrote about how just hours before the mudslide that they had passed through that exact area. And they said, you know, we'd been praying for God's protection for our kids, like leading up to the trip and during the trip, and, and God has provided. Praise God. That was the last line of the post, praise God. And I thought, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad your kids are safe. I am, but... What about the village? What about the people who live there? What about the families that lost somebody? What about the families that lost their homes? What about that whole area that was now like under feet of mud? I'm glad your kids are safe, but did God only hear the American Christian kids? Were they only praising God because God did what they asked? And I can't help but think that the people in the village that day were having an entirely different conversation with God. So you have one event, you have two different outcomes, and I think you have two different responses. I struggled with that praise God comment because those kids were on their way to their airport to make their way home back to their families, back to their homes, back to America, back to their normal lives. They were going home to enjoy the very things that were taken from the people in the village that day. But praise God. That raises a lot of questions for me. How is one person's praise God, another person's why God? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And people will say things like, well, God's ways are not our ways. God works in mysterious ways. Well, if that's the case, like, why bother praying at all? People will say things like, well, God can do anything. Well, then why doesn't God take care of that? People will talk about the time that they prayed for something in the middle of some sort of difficulty. And they talk about like how God showed up and this beautiful thing happened. Where was God the rest of the time? Was God somewhere else? Was God doing something else? Was God so busy with your stuff that he couldn't help with my stuff? And, and that kind of leads you like this big picture idea, like if God is so mysterious and we can't know when and where God will show up and we have no guarantees if God is listening and if God doesn't show up when we don't, like, what's the point in praying at all? We have no guarantees. None of us are righteous. He only listens to the righteous. That's power. What do we do with all of these things? In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, Matthew is recording the moments before Jesus is arrested before he's put on trial as a criminal, Jesus takes his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane and he begins to pray. Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, 
he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away for a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus knows what's about to happen to him. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows that his death is, is coming. But in light of that, he prays and says, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. He likens his death to this cup that he doesn't want to drink from. And then moments later, he says, if it's not possible to take this cup, the mayor will be done. So it's kind of like he's saying, like, look, I, I know what's coming, and I, I don't really want to be a part of it. I don't want to have to go through this. I know the pain, the agony, the suffering that's going to come with this, and I don't want to do that. But then he comes back and he says, help me to be open to this thing that I don't really want to be a part of. So what is this? Is this doubt? Is this uncertainty? Is Jesus negotiating? As a Jew, and especially as a rabbi, Jesus would have taken the Torah very seriously. In the first chapter of Genesis, we have the story of creation, and the story of creation begins with God, and there is this void, and there is this chaos. And out of that chaos and that void, God brings everything into existence. God creates all that is, but God doesn't just create. With everything that God creates, he enables those things to also create more of themselves. So plants create more plants. Animals create more animals. People create more people. So the idea is that God finished creating, but creation wasn't finished in and of itself. It's all been designed to grow and to expand and to move further and further out. And then God does this really incredible and risky thing, and that is that he gives this human, these humans, responsibility. He gives them this responsibility to participate in the shaping and the guiding of this creation as it grows and as it expands. So Genesis is the story of God creating and beginning this endless process of bringing design and beauty and order to all things. So when Jesus prays, for him, prayer is not just rubbing the genie in the bottle and hoping to get the three wishes granted. For Jesus, prayer is about him tapping into this divine creative energy that brought all things into existence. So when he says, please take this cup from me, and then he prays again, if, it's not, if you're not able to take this cup from me, this isn't an act of rebellion against the will of God, but it's also not a passive acceptance of the thing that is. Well, this is just how it's gonna go. So this prayer, please take this cup from me, is Jesus being honest with where he's at. I don't want to go through this. 
I don't want to deal with this. I don't, why, why so much pain? Why, why do I have to, why is this my path? Why do I have to go through all of this? He's being honest. But this other prayer, if it's not possible to take the cup, Jesus is being open to the God who is at work in that moment. He's opening himself up to the God who is working in the here and now. So Jesus models for us in this communication with God, what we see is this deep sense of honesty and yet the awareness enough to be open to how God will use that thing in his life and for the sake of others. Because ultimately, in order to be open to the creative work of God in the here and now, you have to be honest about where you're at with what you're going through. God, this, this sucks. This hurts. There's a lot of bitter, bitterness and angst and anxiety that, God, I don't want to go through all this. In order to be open to the work of God in the here and now, you have to be honest about where you're at with what you're dealing with and what you're going through, even when you can't see what God is up to. You see, Jesus comes from this long tradition of people who understood prayer as an opportunity to be open and honest with God, as an opportunity to bear their heart and soul before their creator. You take Psalms 13, for example. Look at, look at how this is written. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is not like just some dear God, thank you for the food type of prayer. This is somebody who's wrestling, who's struggling, who, who's dealing with uncertainties, who's, who has a great deal of pain and fear and doubt in their life, a person who's pouring out their soul. This is a person saying, God, please take this cup from me. Because prayer, if anything, is about being honest with your creator. I mean, you know God can handle what you're thinking, right? Like you're not going to hurt God's feelings. God can handle all of your questions. I've been wrestling with a lot of things myself. A lot of things. There's been several deaths in our church family that have greatly affected people in this place. It raises a lot of questions for me. When I see the news, when I see the destruction of Hurricane Ian and how so many people lost so much, that raises a lot of questions for me. When I see the terrible things that are happening still with, in the Ukraine with Russia and all that stuff, I have a lot of questions. When I hear my wife tell stories about the tragedies that she sees in the ER on a weekly basis, I have a lot of questions. I know we have several incredible individuals who do social work, who are in law enforcement in our, in our church community, and they see some of the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching stuff. I have a lot of questions. A lot of things are unsettled in my mind and in my spirit about some, some things. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went for a run. 
we went together, we were running down the trails, and we got done, and we were kind of just cooling down, stretching out, toweling off, whatever. And I could see that she was disturbed about something. Her presence, her spirit, her face, it all, something was off, something was wrong. And if I'm honest, initially I had the thought of like, should I ask? Because there's a high percentage it had something to do with something I did wrong. But I said, hey, uh, you okay? What's going on? Something's up, what's, what's happening? And she just said, I'm just angry with God. I'm just angry with God right now. She had had a particularly difficult situation at the hospital that week. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna let you two work that out. I'm gonna let you two work that out. It's not that I didn't wanna help. It's not that I didn't wanna be a good listener. I know enough to not be a fixer in those situations. I do wanna be a supportive husband. But what I could tell was that this was between her and God. And this was an opportunity for her growth, for strengthening of that relationship, for her to be open and honest with what she was dealing with. I don't wanna drink this cup. I don't understand. There's a lot of questions that are raised so she's struggling, she's wrestling, but that was okay. The wrestling is okay. The wrestling is good. That means you're in the fight, that's good. That means you're like working for this thing. Like wrestle, 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 sure, absolutely. Because regardless of whether she gets the response that she's looking for or not, she's still in the relationship. She's wrestling. There's a whole lot of things that I am absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, 100% uncertain about. But one thing I do believe with all of my heart is that God can handle all of your thoughts, all of your feelings, all of your hurts, all of your doubts, all of your anger, all of your frustration. If Jesus can question and have doubts and bring them to God, If Jesus was able to express where he was really at, what he was really feeling in that moment of turmoil, then shouldn't we have the confidence that we should be able to do the same? So when Jesus says, please take this cup from me, there's this honesty. But in this moment, it's not just about being honest because in these prayers and in these questions, Jesus also seems to have this assumption And the assumption is that either way, either way, whether he must drink the cup or whether the cup will be, he will be spared from the cup, the assumption that Jesus has is that he has a role to play in this ongoing, unfolding, expanding of creation. Whether God answers or responds or denies or rejects or accepts or complies, the assumption of Jesus is that he is a part of moving this whole thing forward. So for Jesus, prayer isn't some sort of formality. It isn't some sort of ritual. is isn't an empty habit. For Jesus, prayer is about opening himself up to be a part of the thing that God is up to in the here and now. Is that our approach or our understanding of prayer? Or has prayer for us kind of become like, maybe sometimes it's this last ditch effort. Well, all we can do now is pray. 
or it just becomes the thing we're supposed to do. We pray before we go on a trip and then we pray for our food and we pray before we go to bed. And, or do we just pray when we need something, when something doesn't go according to our plans, when we get into trouble? For Jesus and the authors of the New Testament, prayer was more than just words. It was more than just ritual and habit. Prayer was like the posture of your being towards life. And the posture of your being towards life will directly affect how you will experience this life. And your life is dynamic. We talked about this like a week ago. Your life is dynamic. It's always moving in a direction. You are continually in the process of becoming. You are either becoming more and more open or you are becoming more and more closed. But you are always in process. And what the scriptures and what Jesus always points us to is that prayer is the thing that opens us. First Thessalonians chapter five. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Your version may say something like pray without ceasing. This is so much more than just saying words all day every day. This is about the way that you see everything that's happening all around you. So prayer is not just words. Prayer is like this choice of a lifestyle. It's reflecting, it's listening, it's waking up. It's always looking for what God is up to in the here and now. It's trying to figure out how you can be a part of it. Yeah, but like, give thanks in all circumstances? Really? Really? How does that... How does that work? I, I'm supposed to give thanks at the loss of my loved one. I'm, I'm supposed to give thanks when I lose my job. I'm supposed to give thanks when I'm struggling to make the ends meet. I'm supposed to give thanks when my house was messed up by the hurricane. I'm supposed to give thanks when they get that diagnosis, how, how does that work? How, do, how does that, that seems like a, like a hard ask, doesn't it? But maybe, maybe that sense of gratitude despite circumstances in verse 18, maybe that actually stems from the part where it says, pray continually in verse 17. And so maybe if prayer is the posture of my being towards life, and prayer is that which helps and allows for me to be open, maybe that's the very thing that will allow me to find something in the middle of the turmoil to be grateful for. You see, ultimately, prayer is about connecting to and tapping into like this same divine energy that created all things and formed the entirety of the universe. And, and this is why people, sometimes when they pray, they say things like, oh, I could sense the presence of God. I could sense God through my prayer. Yeah, because that's, that's what it does. That's, that's what you're doing. Prayer connects people to one another. Prayer connects people to things, like the things we're praying for. Prayer enlarges our perspective. Prayer gives us a bigger heart. Uh, prayer uh, makes us feel things deeper. Prayer changes things, but prayer also changes 
us. Right? Like, Democrats should pray for Republicans, and Republicans should pray for Democrats, not because you're trying to make the other like you, but so that you can, like, change your approach, so that you can become more like the God of all things who loves all people. Prayer brings change. Sometimes it's about things, sometimes it's about you, sometimes it's about them, and sometimes it's really about your heart. So when people ask questions like, why did God do this, or why did God not prevent that, or why did God say yes to this and no to that, or why is God not responding, or why did God show up in this moment but not in that one, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, we, we don't, we can't, we, we can't know. We can't know. I don't know why some things go one way and some things go another. I don't know why they died. I don't know why the mudslide took out the village and not the kids in the bus. I don't know why God allowed the kids to pass by that day. I don't know why John Mahoney made it safely out of the Twin Towers when so many other people perished. I don't know why some houses were destroyed in the hurricane and some weren't. I don't know why. And I'm always a bit weary of people that claim that they do know. I'm always a bit weary of the people that say like, oh, well, you know, you, you didn't pray enough or you didn't believe enough or you didn't have enough faith. That is utter and absolute garbage. And if you've ever been taught that, I pray that you can let go of that because that is not, I believe, how this whole thing works. That's not how it works. You are not God. <laughs> Why do some things go one way and some go another? I don't, I don't know. But I do know that whatever way things go, the thing I can do, the thing that I can do is be honest about where I'm at with that thing. I can present that to God who will grant me the peace that transcends all understanding and in doing so I can be open to the new thing that I am about to face, the new thing that I'm going through. You see, when that channel gets a bit staticky and it's not coming in so clear on the antenna, prayer is like going out there and grabbing a hold of that massive antenna that my dad thought was a good idea and just turning it ever so slightly so that it adjusts, so that you find yourself in tune, in line with what's being broadcast. It's aligning myself with the God who created all that is and trusting and being open with what he's up to. Jesus says, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. And then he says, if it's not possible to take the cup from me, may your will be done. The prayer of Jesus assumes that whatever comes his way, God will be there, and he has a role to play in it. It might not be the thing he wants, but he's open enough to trust God and to participate with him in whichever way this whole thing goes. You see, to be human is to experience doubt, is to experience fear, to experience uncertainty. 
And to follow the divine is to be open enough to trust God as you go through the doubt and the fear and the uncertainty. And that you attempt to live with the assumption that he is inviting you to be a part of this whole thing as it's moving forward. So my prayer for you is that your whole life will be a prayer. My prayer for you is that you will become more and more and more and more honest with God and with where you're at, with what you're going through. And that as you become more and more honest with God, you will become more and more open to your role in the ongoing creation of the world. Amen. Thank you, Seth. What a, what a great image that is for prayer. An antenna. Uh, so many things, man. Uh, came to mind as I was... Uh, hearing Seth talk through that in the office a little bit this week and then here this morning too. Uh, I remember going to my grandparents' house up on a mountain in Virginia and they had a, a TV with rabbit ears on top, three channels. And uh, if you set the rabbit ears just right, you could get the video uh, from one channel and the audio from another one, which was kind of crazy uh, to see like MacGyver but it's the audio from a Gunsmoke uh, rerun. Uh, it's just crazy. And, and to me, that also is sort of uh, something that happens maybe in our prayer life when our antenna is a little bit out of alignment. We start to hear things that maybe are not from God. Uh, and so maybe you find yourself this morning, it's just a, a morning where you, you need to realign. Man, what a great word that is, to, to realign and reorient ourselves so that we're pointed at God. Um, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that, uh, just like we do every week here in our response time. We're gonna take a few minutes. The band is gonna create some space, uh, sort of in audio, and um, we'll have communion servers on uh, the, the sides of the room here. If you're joining us online, uh, we encourage you to take communion as well. Uh, if you don't have bread and grape juice, uh, you can use whatever you have available. Um, the more important thing is the posture of our hearts and the alignment of our antenna, so to speak. We also, here in the room, we have people on each side of the room who would love to pray with you. And if you're online, there are people who would love to pray with you there too. If you're joining us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, there's no way to do that privately, so feel free to send an email to info at thefoundryc.org if you'd like to request prayer. But if you're watching at our church online, um, stream, there's somebody right there, there's a button you can push to open a private prayer chat with somebody. We highly encourage you uh, to make use of that. Most of all, uh, we just encourage you and invite you uh, today as we, as we spend a few minutes doing business with God. Tune that antenna, find God and say, God, what, it is, what is it that you're saying to me today and what is it that you want me to do about it? I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll release you to that time. God, we're so grateful that, um, that you've given us the, the mechanism of prayer. That in addition to 
your will and your heart and your character that we find in scripture. Things that have been recorded down through time that we can go back and read and study and ponder. You've also given us this mechanism of prayer by which we can just tune into you and receive what it is that you're trying to give us. And so God, we make that our prayer in this moment, that you would enable us through your spirit to find you, to reorient and realign our, our spiritual antenna so that we are tuned in, we are locked in on you. And that we're hearing from you, that we're uh, experiencing what it is that you desire for us to experience so that we can go out into the world, God. We can go out into the different aspects of our life and represent you to the world around us. We can represent you to our families. We can represent you to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods. So God, over these next few minutes, as we think and ponder and pray, help us to find you. Help us to find you, God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death and resurrection by which we can step into eternal life. So God, over these next few moments as we pray and as we eat this bread and drink this juice, we do it in remembrance of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for spending part of your week with us here at the Foundry Church. If you'd like more information about our church, who we are, what we believe, and what we've got going on, you can check out our website at www.thefoundryc.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thefoundryc, or you can email us directly at info at thefoundryc.org. We would love to hear from you with any questions or feedback that you may have. All right, that's all for now. Hope you have an awesome week. We'll see you next time.